Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are season three, episode 16, I believe, maybe 17. 18. 18, 18 as Richard <laughs> calls it. Richard is the guy with the numbers. Richard Harris, my co-founder at Surf and Sales and co-host of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are brought to you by Outreach.io, Vidyard, Sendoso, and Scratchpad. Four really cool sponsors. You should check them out. We appreciate all their support. And we still have a couple spots open for the Surf and Sales Summit in May. We've got three spots, and then we've got a few spots left in November as well. So check it out at surfandsales.com. We have the pleasure today of being joined by Mr. Alex Mead, co-founder and VP of sales and marketing at Beacons Point. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks, Scott and Richard. It's great to uh, join you guys. Yeah. Good. How's, uh, how's things uh, down there in, in San Diego? I know you've been doing some teaching down there as well. Yeah, San Diego, you can't, it's hard to complain about San Diego. For anybody who has visited San Diego, um, we usually have nice weather. Uh, we actually, it's going to rain today. That one time a year it rains. We're supposed to get some rain, but things are good. Yeah, and I started, uh, was approached to do some kind of continual education um, teaching at down at uh, USD, one of the one of the good, great universities we have down here. Do you feel like, do you feel like, uh, more and more students are looking at sales as a, a direct, you know, kind of career and a direct path and, and they're looking to, to study and learn and get ahead? Or is it still like from when we were that, that age um, where you didn't think about sales at all and you just got your liberal arts degree, you know, <laughs> and then eventually you end up in sales? Do you feel like yeah. from the... From the Students' perspective, that's changed. Yes, I think that's because there's so many resources now and there's more people teaching sales than I think there were before. Um, I mean, look at Aspireship and all the different groups like that, that people are actually learning how to do sales versus, I mean, Scott, I've been going to Thursday Night Sales for a while and, and, and Sky's Little Sales Club and like you didn't go to sales school, like you nope. kind of got a job in sales and you learned how to be good at sales yeah. through trial and error. Uh, yeah. And I think people are making a more conscious effort now uh, in, in not just sales. I think everything there's, 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 you could go take courses on almost everything now uh, to, if you want to be something specific and, and get better at it. Mm -hmm. So definitely. I would imagine that will up-level the profession and the quality of an entry-level salesperson should be a little bit higher. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, so we're a marketing agency, uh, you know, and so I'm selling our services as an agency and from the marketing side as well, people are coming in with more specific skill sets in, in specific courses, certifications they've gone through. Not so much. I am an MBA graduate. Uh, those what, exist, obviously, what of, but. What kind of courses are they coming in with? Right. Like I love hearing this kind of stuff. Like, um, and I, I know yeah. still on the marketing side, but what, what are they coming in knowing that maybe we didn't five or even, you know, 10 or even five years ago? Well, with marketing, there's everybody's getting more. It seems like people are getting more niche and more very, very centric to, to a specific skill set or or like job duty task. And so we, we just did a round of interviews at the end of last year for kind of like a you know, like I would say like a general marketing manager job, they're going to do a little bit of everything. And we had people coming in that did 
like six week digital marketing intensive. So they knew at least the language and like what things were supposed to do and learning about, you know, what digital channels do what. And I think from a sales perspective, I think people are learning, um, you know, Scott, you talk about SDRs all the time of how that didn't exist, you know, what, five years ago, six years ago. Um, and I think now people are coming in that they are learning the skills to get people to pick up the phone or to reply to emails. And that's kind of their job. So I certainly think there's more people out there teaching these things, whether they're, they should be or not teaching these things, maybe a different story, but there's certainly a lot of people out there, I think, reaching for those types of education and courses to get themselves prepared. Cause there are so many people applying for these jobs. Yeah. Talk I, to I'm, us. I'm talk to us. Crappy people to keep teaching because that's job security for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about Beacon's Point. You said you're a marketing agency, but tell everybody what you all do and what your, you know, sale, if you will, is like how you yeah. go about filling the pipeline, closing deals. Yeah, we're we're an inbound and content marketing agency. Uh, we really focus in on B2B tech and software is really our sweet spot. And, you know, we've kind of found our niche is creating high quality content. Um, and I know a lot of people might say that, but, you know, a lot goes into creating well-crafted content. And a lot of companies don't have the, the time, resources, or uh, expertise to create that content. They might have the experts to talk about their specific enterprise software and how it, how it uh, you know, helps specific co tax companies or law firms, but they don't really know how to craft uh, an article, craft a video, craft a podcast, and other things like that. And so we work with them and their marketing teams to create, you know, create online content that's really going to push the organic traffic while also creating conversion content down further down the marketing. And as they get into sales, more sales enablement. And so we kind of work with all those factors. We're a HubSpot partner agency. And so we kind of work exclusively on, on HubSpot building out different campaigns, optimizations, you know, study onboarding for CRM, stuff like that. So Scott, I think what he just said is he could help us with all our content. We have 300 episodes. <laughs> we have 300 videos. We have so much content that they could create snippets and blog posts and all this stuff. You're on mute, buddy. Alex is in a two-year sales cycle with me. Right. Is he? Yeah. So, yeah, because that's how cheap I am. If this is true. Yeah. The fact, uh, the, fact yeah. that, the fact that you're even in a sales cycle with Scott Lisa is to be commended, by the way. So... <laughs> Well, I, did, I just found out I was in a sales cycle with Scott Lee. So that's that's something there. <laughs> Maybe that talks to my sales level. So it's interesting. And like that's that's like one of the things uh, I have learned from podcasts like this, from Thursday Night Sales. And really like the pandemic made this quicker. As we, you guys were asking about are people out there going to look and skill up and learn how to do these things. And I was a marketer that essentially, you know, my, my other partner and I essentially about six years ago flipped a coin. Uh, one of us was going to handle operations. The other one was going to handle business development because we were both working siloed as two guys working at a marketing, a marketing agency where we did our own projects. And then we kind of decided, well, I was like, all right, I'm doing sales. I like going to networking events. That was what I thought uh, sales was, was going to networking events, meeting people, which is certainly part of it. And when, you know, flip of a dime, you know, pandemic, everybody was at home. I think I had to relearn how to do yeah. Or to I learn how what, to do it. I love what you just said. I, I think I'm going to make this the title, which is the skill up acceleration of COVID, right? Like it yeah. really did force people to skill up. Yeah. Um, and then when you tie that into the 
hiring situation, you know, you yeah. know two things happen. One, people didn't skill up or those that did skill up are getting the better jobs. So what was yeah. your biggest, so you flipped this coin, right? Yeah. And I, I assume from the coin toss, you won because you wanted to do the business development side of things, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> so of course I didn't. <laughs> so, so what did you learn? So you, so you started going to these networking things, you know, you're, you're clearly a jovial outgoing guy, you know, present yourself well in a social situation, but what kind of smacked you in the face to go, Oh, I got to start doing this now that I didn't quite realize. Uh, we as an agency started to shift who we were working with. It was a lot of small businesses doing websites, branding, you know, whatever we could pick up here and there. And once we started to get into, into HubSpot and get into content and get into more inbound, that's a different clientele. And I think it realized the networking events that I was able, had access to, those clients didn't, they weren't there. They didn't exist. And I, I knew I needed to find a different way to reach them. Um, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with HubSpot and partner agencies, but they do have like these sales kind of accelerators and boot camps with Dan Tyre and David Winehouse, at least David used to be doing it. And so I kind of did like a crash course in six weeks of this is how I need to approach picking up the phone. This is how I need to email people. Um, I started getting using so videos. So let's, so let's talk about the email thing, right? Particularly yeah. you have this marketing background. Now you're going into this, you know, biz dev perspective. What do you notice? What are the big differences between marketing versus, we call it the SDR email, the outbound? Yeah. Some of the things I noticed, uh, well, with at least the clients we had for marketing is those people already existed and they're in your database and they wanted to be there. At least that was our, that's how we treated it. And those are people you're just trying to keep, you know, in your keep them warm. So when it's time for them to make a decision of buying, whatever we're trying to sell, they were, you know, staying educated, staying informed and sales. I, I kind of went through this, this uh, revelation where I, I got, we all get emails, we all get sold to. And I absolutely, I hated, like I just deleted them. And I was kind of thinking, how do I, how do I sell if I was going to open it? What would I do? And I kind of just started taking that approach of being less uh less technical and speaking more like me i think um and i don't know if that's i just if it was the, go back to one thing you said we all get yeah. emails i get emails you're a marketing guy yeah. and you're a marketing guy who gets emails and what did you say you did with them oh i delete them oh yeah them. well right. it right. depends so I'm like, I, I, the marketing ones I keep because I signed up for them and I want to earmark them and I want to, I'll read them again later. The sales ones, I sometimes keep to see, oh, did I like that? Like, what did I like about it? Why did I even open it? But some, uh, some, you know, they read the same blog I did five years ago and are using the same headline or subject line, um, you know, word by word for word. And I delete those ones, but it was, it was just kind of like this revelation that I have to do it the way I would want to get it. Um, and, and it goes through, it goes through evolutions for me. Cause I never, I'm a, I'm a team of one. I'm a sale, I'm a, I'm a salesperson of one in our agency. And so it, me bouncing ideas off of people wasn't as common. Um, and so I, again, I hate to like keep saying like, that's why I like TNS and, and, and your, uh, your group Scott, because that, that's where I got that feedback of seeing people talking about it, getting their experiences to see like what I would learn from those. 
You're up, Scott. How do you, how are you scaling the agency? What what do you do when the tasks become too much for just one person? For like me specifically in sales? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, uh, it's been a challenge for the last year um, as we continue to grow and we keep landing new clients. Um, that has been kind of the challenge. I handle our marketing as well. So we did to bring on somebody to help with marketing. So I'm going to be more out of that and more full into sales, but it's a challenge. We've, we've used some, you know, I don't know if I, if I should be ashamed, we've used some outsourcing services to help kind of, you know, essentially have a pay for an SDR to be doing a lot of the outreach and, and work like that. Uh, but that didn't really scale the way we wanted it. Um, I mean, I think this is of, like, this yeah. is like the essential challenge of yeah. all early agencies or, yeah. you know, solopreneur kind of services based companies is what do you do when you don't have the bandwidth to do all of the things anymore in order to keep yourself growing? What do you, what do you hang on to? double down on? What do you let go of? What do you outsource? Yeah. What do you hire full-time for? When, how, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Or are you just, you, maybe you make a decision. You just say, well, I'm really comfortable working with this many clients all the time, earning this amount. I don't really care yeah. about growing beyond that. This is yeah. like a, the fork in the road that, you know, yeah, we all get to, right? Yeah, we just we just had that conversation as kind of leadership a few months ago, and it's like what you know three years ago, two years ago, um, we kind of built like a five year roadmap. What what was our revenue? What our client size? Like how many clients we want? And we built this kind of model that got us to something great. And as we've kind of grown as a company and grown as leaders, we're like, well, that actually sounds like a lot more work for maybe not that much more revenue for the leaders because everything starts to double as you start to bring on more employees to do the work. And we've kind of picked a number that's without us having to hire, you know, double the staff, we can hit, hit numbers and feel comfortable with that growth. And I think we're kind of closer to close to that second part where maybe we're okay with this many retainer clients, this many website clients, this many project clients and, and having some areas that we can scale at, at a low cost, but creating content is, takes te- takes a team takes a takes a village and it's time consuming so it it is certainly a harder thing to scale at times yeah so so it's interesting right i heard you say we're going to do some but then we're going to stay here so is the goal to create a lifestyle business or is the goal to create a big business what would you define as a big business so we're 11 right now 11 employees yeah but i guess the question is do you want to go to 10 million in revenue? Do you want to go to 20 million? Or is it like, no, you know what? We're super happy if we, I have no idea what your revenue is. You know? Yeah. We're always going to be happy at 5 million or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough question. If you ask like any, any owner, it depends on like where you are in life. I mean, when we started it 10 years ago, we wanted to be a 50 person agency, um, you know, with whatever revenue that came with. It was more of like, we wanted like a bigger team working on it. Three years ago, before all of us had kids, it was like, we want to get to a 20 million agency. Now that we've all had, you know, a lot of us have kids under three. It's like, well, this, this is actually pretty good right now. We want, we want to hit a, we're we're not, not growing. Like we're not, we're not where we want to be, 
but we're kind of thinking of a spot where, you know, we're looking at our revenue and like our costs for these types of projects and what goes into it. And there's going to be a level where I think fork in the road, we're either going to stay, uh, you know, at like 15 employees or we need to go to 30. And, and like, I think the, the, the road of getting from 15 to 30 is going to be challenging, you know, because you got to get, we got to get twice as many projects in the door, uh, which then, you know, Scott, we got to get an SDR on our team or someone else to handle full cycle sales. I don't really think, I don't really like the SDR model for our agency just because it, it's a relationship game. It takes time. Um, yeah. We, Someone's not going to just pick up the phone and be like, you know what? We do want to spend $150,000 with you this year and, and like be able to get that going. It takes, takes a long time. I mean, I've been working on you for Scott for two years now. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> are you just out of curiosity? Are you, have you converted him from lead to an actual contact with the company? Or is he still in the lead status two years in? Uh, he's still, uh, he might even just be a subscriber. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's still, he's still a suspect. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, in HubSpot terms, he's an evangelist. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about how you, um, how you lock in on an ICP because there's so many different people that you could do this type of work with. But there's a lot of people that some of the effort on your end up front, uh, you know, could be fruitless and a waste of time. There's a lot of yeah. people that you could try to do some work with that, you know, maybe needs or demands more than you're able to do or might not be, you know, suited for whatever reason. And then there's the sweet spot. So when you're just getting started, how do you kind of lock in? And then how has that ICP evolved or how do you look at evolving it as you go on? Yeah. Uh, I think I was just talking to somebody about this. I think for the first five years of our business, we started in about 2011. So when the first five years, it was take everything and anything if it had to do with marketing. Um, and we didn't have an ICP to be honest, didn't even know what it was. Uh, we were targeting businesses in Instantitas. Yeah, I just, we just want to pause that a marketing yeah. person didn't know what an ICP is. Like just, uh, um, we were, we were, we were naive kids, like just starting an agency. Cause we got tired of the, both the, all the jobs we had at the time I came from, from video production and like big ad agencies. And like, uh, I worked at TBWA shy day for a long time and just realized I'd didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and so once we, once we realized it, uh, the biggest, the biggest change that hit for us is we had, we were working with, we were trying to work in tech and in software, and that's kind of where we knew we wanted to be, but we were still work, like looking for some startups and working with owners and working with founders. Um, and we realized that was kind of the epiphany that a lot of people can do that for us. It was such a struggle to create content and create a, a strategy that changed every two weeks um, with a lot of the founders. So the biggest thing that happened with our ICP once it hit was we want to work with um, with teams that have at least one to two marketing people on staff um, because they already knew some of the things were already put in place for us to succeed. And we couldn't put those things in place and create content at the same time, uh, the way we were built and what we were trying to do. And so I think the biggest thing that happened, you know, we were working with a couple different business coaches and other like kind of mentors that were like, you know, 
helping us helping us get to that point of, of niching down to the fact that we knew who we were targeting. We knew what revenue, we knew what employee size, but the big factor is, is like that employee uh, marketing person that can kind of be our advocate and champion within the, within the org. Cool. I want to, I want to go back to your comment a minute ago about, yeah, you, know, you were all tired of the W2. Right, you were all like, "Oh, we're tired of you know doing the grind and working for somebody yeah. else and blah blah blah," you know, trying to make other mil- people millionaires. Yeah, How, did you guys all just quit and do it, or did you start as a side hustle? Which you know, five years, ten years ago, with that that phrase didn't even exist, right? No. Yeah. So how did how did you guys decide, and then what was your sort of tiptoe in, or did you just dive straight in? Yeah, we. Uh, I, I was living in LA with a lot of my friends um, before before the company, and we started like a lot of idiots in their twenties a production company, and we wanted to make our own films, make our own stuff. We did a whole web series about fantasy sports, except it was fan. They, they drafted employees to see who could win at office Olympics. Um, oh so my god, that's genius! Oh my um, god, that's it hilarious. was it was uh, it was hilarious, and uh, nothing that's came pretty of good. it, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, anybody go go uh, look up the, the fantasy office. It's poorly produced and filmed, but it was a lot of fun making it. Um, so we we kind of always had this idea of wanting to do something uh, on our own, and so my now business partner was part of that group as well. Um, and I think it, even going further, my dad was a hormel salesman. He sold spam, like everybody knows spam, but he sold all of these different products. And I think I always saw him. It's like I don't be sales. My dad always like he was uh, he you know he's either miserable uh, or he was like happy because he went and played golf and sold you know thirty cases to Costco or something, and so I think I just always had in my head I, I didn't want to do that. Uh, the irony is not lost in me that that's now what I do, um, but I, I think I think I always wanted to do something on my own because I just saw uh, you know my dad at the same company for 30, 40 years and what that did you know emotionally watched him go through that you know, being passed up for promotions, all these things. I think I always wanted to do something different. Um, I worked in video production. I was a PA. I worked as like freelance and camera crews. So I always had different jobs. And then once I went to, uh, you know, a nine to five, it kind of was like almost a little suffocating. Uh, I moved to San Diego, took a job as a video editor because I needed a job. And it was maybe the worst place I've ever worked. Uh, So as soon as I got uh, let go or I quit, depending on who you asked, uh, on which day I kind of like that next day started Beacon's Point and was like, I'm doing this on my own. Um, I knew one person that needed a website. And so it kind of, I got lucky and it clicked uh, and I learned how to do websites on the next project. That's awesome. That's really cool. And so you know, so you never went back to the full-time job? No, uh, my business partner stayed at his job while doing this on the side for about six months. Uh, he's a little more... Uh, well, maybe a little more cautious and smarter on that sense since I left my income right away and started something, but uh, we're still here. Yeah. So sounds like us, Scott. I was, you were more cautious. So yeah, I'm, I was way more cautious, not even, not even close, but now you're <laughs> splintering off doing some other side stuff. Like you have a podcast as well. Yeah. You try to tie the work you do through the podcast and, and other side hustles back to the funnel of beacons point in any ways in any way do these things kind of mingle with each other uh the podcast directly yeah 
it's it's kind of a combination of getting hosts on. That's an initial relationship building. If something turns into it down the road, it's like early life cycle stage for us. The 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 teaching that's more of like something I've always wanted to do. I've always enjoyed kind of like the teaching, the coaching aspect. Um, you know. My son's three, but I can't wait for him to play some kind of sport so I can be some sort of coach when he gets that age. And I've, it's always been like something I've wanted to do. And I've always thought like at a, at a, at a next career, I could be a professor or teacher. And then it's kind of a twofold. Like there's, there's kids in the class. It's continuing education. So these people that are either starting new jobs, starting um, new uh, career paths and need to go back and learn. Some of them have been good connections to make and they might turn into something. That one's a little more passive, uh, but it, you know, I, I'm an owner of a company and, and I, I've, I've thought about the side hustle thing for the last couple of years, even more so the last, I think two years, it seems like everyone's got at least two side hustles going. And uh, I think my energy is the company. So side hustles, everything kind of funnels back to, is this just another way for me to get a, pipe, a deal in the pipeline in 12 months? Um, versus something I need to get in the pipeline now. So I've, yes to all that. Have you figured out the funnel in such a way that you can get paid a little bit on the side stuff and then it still flows to the main thing and then you get the big payday? Uh, the, yeah, some of it, some of it I do get paid uh, in the, in the short term, um, but it's, you know, whether it's enough to make it Make me rich, probably not. But yeah, I don't think it has yeah. to, to make you rich, though. I mean, one of the, the things time. that I think, yeah, one of the things that gets overlooked a little bit with all the different streams of income that people can have is, you know, yeah, these things can kind of compound upon each other. So let's say you, you know, create an asset and so you're getting royalties off of that. Well, that gives you exposure. So now people, check out your podcast. The podcast gives you more exposure and maybe you yeah. get sponsorship revenue off of that. And that exposure and podcast can funnel into courses or events that you put on. And those things give you more exposure. And then now all of a sudden people are at your marketing agency, right? And so you yeah. kind of can chip away with smaller sales along the way and then bang, here comes the the big one. And I don't, I think a lot of uh, people's side hustles are disconnected. And yeah. so the one business entity doesn't talk to the other one at all. And yeah. I, I, I personally, at least love this idea that all of my different things are kind of connected in one way or the other, and they can all feed each other. Yeah. Would you say, would you say you have like one main main thing that you're trying to get people to funnel to or yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, my, for me, my, my main thing is my consulting business. So I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, early stage uh, startups to, to work with. That's the big payoff, if you will. Right. Yeah. So Scott, what happens if, cause I've been thinking about this. What happens if the consulting business, if the other stuff, right. Your TNS thing, right. That could blow up. Like easily that could get bigger, right? Um, you know, our event could get bigger. Could you see yourself taking fewer consulting gigs because you know you're going to make equal or more money from the other stuff and 
I don't maybe you, I don't know where you get your joy. Well, I know you get your joy out of the surf and sail stuff, but well, how do you see that for you? Well, the main thing is the thing that pays me the most. So, so that, that's my I, point. If I if reach the place where you the most, you'll sure, move. I right. change I change priorities. Priorities. Right. Yeah. 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 So, which is, I think it's also unique too, is that that's kind of different for Alex because Alex has employees, right? There's like, he's, I don't know that Alex is going to ever walk away. I don't know that he wants to, but you know, it's different when you got 10 or 15 employees working for you, which maybe that, maybe that's what you're talking about going from 15 employees to 30 is like, Oh, now I'm committed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I've seen our friend John Barrows do that, right. As he started, you know, he, he was a lot more like me and then all of a sudden he's, you know, a media company at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like every month we look at our, uh, our client and like, what's the percentage of revenue that month and on our client client spread. So Scott, so really for you, if consulting is your number one, but all of a sudden surfing sales, the events starts going through the roof. That's where you're, that's now your, your priority of time and you're funneling people into that. I mean, I guess it's like your whole, that's exactly, that's exactly yeah. what I would, that's exactly what I would do. And yeah. I, I don't know why, I suppose the only reason why somebody wouldn't change like that is if their joy and their passion was really in one of the in one. things specifically, but I'm not that way. Whatever is doing the best for me, that's going to get the most tension. So if all of a sudden surf and sales was dwarfing income from my consulting business, I wouldn't be focused as much on my yeah. consulting business. I'd go more all in over here. Right. But as it is right now, Consulting stuff leads to surf and sales tickets. Sometimes tickets for surf and sales lead to consulting stuff. Thursday night sales stuff leads to consulting gigs and surf and sales gigs. It's it's just all, it's all intermixed for me. Because you, what you left out, Scott, just because I know you is unintentionally, (laughs) you left out the Patreon side. Yeah, the Patreon group as well. Yeah. I, I know for a fact that you, we have people in our, podcast and you're like oh i should bring them onto patreon well alex is one of them right so right i don't know why i didn't see that earlier uh, i saw i was like to be a guest i'll have to i can do this yeah, yeah. i want to just do gotta this. ask it's like this yeah. is yeah. serpent sales is oftentimes the audition for the other things that scott may want to use you for so <laughs> nice go okay well now the pressure's I on just, i just call scott simon cowell that's right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was I was set to go. Uh, well, when I say set to go to the surf and sales last year, and the hard no, but my uh, my wife was due at the beginning of September with our second, and there's really no way that I could consciously uh, leave to go to Vegas or uh, on a surf trip, even if it well, was for business. So you just have this thing called a conscience that you just have to work on. <laughs> yeah, getting rid of that. Richard and yeah. I have more or less fully killed off. <laughs> oh, I I don't know about that. <laughs> Although we did we did schedule the May one before we checked with our wives in Costa Rica. Well, I rest my case. Yeah, I rest my case. Right, it's for uh, work. Yeah, it's for work. You funny. Hey, we we're getting close to the to the end. So we want to give you a chance in a minute to ask us a couple of questions. But uh, quick shout out to Sindoso uh, Scratchpad uh, Outreach. Go to uh, click.outreach.io/surf click.outreach.io slash surf um, for a special landing page, a special message from Scott Lee. He probably recorded a video. He doesn't even know what he did yet. And um, 
you know, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be glad to hear from you. So, um, Alex, what what can we answer for you, my man? Yeah, what's always been challenging for me, and I I'm curious to know your thoughts because you uh, you know probably talk to all different types of salespeople and all different types of orgs. Uh, Scott, you kind of alluded to this. Like, I'm a team of one, and uh, when I'm busy doing you know, I have a good week and I'm doing proposals and contracts that takes up time and I'm not doing outreach that week. And I kind of get in this like cycle of, I have meetings that I don't, that I have meetings that I don't yep. from a, from like a single sales team, you know, trying to, trying to do full cycle sales. Like what's your, what, where should I focus time and efforts, you know, to maximize, like what, what are you seeing from other people? Well, the most important thing is to not stop prospecting and and continue to build and grow your pipeline. That kind of roller coaster stop start thing um, that you're talking about is the trap that everybody falls into, and it's especially hard when you're a team of of one, right? So you can either just commit and work as long as it takes and as many hours as it takes to do all this kind of stuff. You can try to find ways to automate or outsource some of the more menial kinds of tasks. So mm -hmm. admin stuff, sending away contracts, things like that, billing, invoicing. Um, you can try to outsource some of the prospecting stuff. I know people who do that. I don't particularly know that that's going to work super well for what what you do or what I do, but, um, people do try it, you know, uh, you just got to try to find a way to have a healthy balance. But the most important piece for me is not the sending of the proposals and the kind of act of closing a deal. The most important piece for me is to always have people in my pipeline that I'm talking to, yeah. and whether I'm prospecting to get those or they're coming, you know, inbound, or I'm doing more kind of demand gen stuff, putting my face out there and being yeah. more public to try to bring things my way. That's the, mo that's the most important thing to me. That's my gold. If I have, you know, 10 people that I'm kind of actively chatting with, I know three of them are going to close. That's $300,000 I just made. Yeah. Right. So when I don't have that, I get panicky. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the most important part to me. Yeah. There's a couple thoughts I'd throw in there. Um, you know, it's, and again, Scott is so humble. He didn't mention his new TikTok channel, um, which is not true. He just did one of the video. Um, <laughs> Scott, I'm giving you a hard time today, man. I'm sorry. It's okay. You had a rough weekend, Richard. I, I will did. allow it. Yeah, I did have a rough <laughs> weekend. Um, uh, so one is, I think it's important, you know, is to, always have conversations with people going on your calendar that are not sales calls. You can always, you know, people who are prospects and clients, um, you can always reach out to those people and just say, hey, I'm trying to get a sense of pulse on the market. What's going on out there? Like, what are you seeing? How do you handle this problem or that problem? Right. And that's, it's a little bit like job interviews. Sometimes the idea of making sure you've got a couple of job interviews scheduled is as good as getting the job interview or getting the job because at least you feel like you're being productive. So it's part of the mindset. Yeah. So that's sort of, hey, I'm just trying to talk to people and learn more about what's happening in the marketplace is an easy way generally to get a couple of extra meetings. 
I also think you can automate it, right? I don't know if you're using, you know, outreach or our sponsor, but I do think you can do some of that stuff. I think you could, you know, a bunch of people hate to hear it. I think you can automate some LinkedIn messages that can come off personal, that don't come off mm -hmm. terrible. Um, so that stuff is, stuff is running when you're sleeping, so to speak, right? Because you only have a finite amount of time in the day. And then the, the other piece I would say is you got to put it on your calendar, you know, 30 minutes a day for prospecting. And what that means is sometimes that 30 minutes, you're just trying to figure the name of the companies and maybe two people. You're not actually prospecting, but you're conducting the activity that mm -hmm. leads to it, right? And break it down into smaller pieces because you can't always, pro you know, Scott's right, you got to always be doing it, but it doesn't mean you're always going to be cold calling every day. There is some research and you do have to do this stuff. And so it's like, just make sure you know what your process is and know the numbers you want to get. Like, hey, I just want to make 15 extra prospecting touches this week. You know, don't make it some 50 a day bullshit, right? And okay, well, if I do the research on Monday, I'm going to do it here and then Tuesday here and Tuesday there. Um, so that you're doing all the activities that lead to the prospecting. And that way you, you can build that out. So that, that's my advice for that. And then the other piece is, you know, why haven't you guys hired somebody to do this? Right. I agree. You don't need an SDR doing it, but so you could hire someone to send the email from your email address. Nobody would know the difference. So. Right. That, yeah. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so you guys both have your own consulting business, uh, the Harris group, uh, and Scotty's consulting. So what point in your careers did you know that at some point that's, did you know, that's what you wanted to, to do next? Like, did you know, I want to, you know, work at this company. I want to get to a certain level. I want to make as much money. And then I want to go out and be a consultant or was this just not, not from the, not from the, not from the beginning. I think, I think for me, I was about halfway through. So I'd probably been a VP of sales three times. And I kind of had this recognition that um, I didn't really want to work for somebody else forever. Yeah. But I didn't really know exactly what that meant for me, what I would do or, or build or, or run. Um, mm -hmm. And then the longer I kept being a VP of sales, things just started to come my way that it gave me the opportunity to do some, some consulting. And then it sort of became the obvious choice. And once it became the obvious choice for me, it was about kind of, can I bring this income up to the W2 level? And once I do, then I can safely cut the W2 and go all in. So that, that's how I did it. Very similar to the story I just said about your prospecting, right? He did one little thing and then another and another. Mm -hmm. um, I got let go. And it sort of fell in my lap. So I had yeah. a different approach. Um, and once I became successful about a year in, um, you know, I was even like, Scott, why are you working for somebody? Like, I remember, like, I, you know, for years I was pushing Scott. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and, but in Scott's, you know, in Scott's mind, I think he, well, I think I said this to you once. And you agreed, you were like, how the fuck is Richard making this much money? And I know I could do it 10 times better than him. Do you remember that conversation? I probably said something like that. Yeah. Oh, I remember the conversation. I was like, dude, yeah. like, I, know, I know this is pissing you off because I'm doing this with like everything you want. And you know you can yeah. do it 10 times better. So, yeah. um, so I know that that, so I know, but I, but 
but I also know that Scott was able to casually observe and yeah. figure out what was his right path. I don't, I won't say that I'm his instigator of this um, at all, but I, I know that he's a learner and he pays attention and, you know, and then he did his book and then he, you know, his first book and, you know, he's, he's very methodical. Like he's a, he's an athlete that way, which is very, very cool. Um, which is different than me where I just sort of like throw up on an idea and see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. 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 So Scott, did your book come before you went out to be a full-time consultant? Oh yeah. 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 I, I can't remember that. Yeah. My, my book came out, the first book came out in 2017 and uh, I was in between jobs. I had left outbound engine and it was while I was interviewing all around and before I eventually landed at Qualia. So it came out when I was very early um, at Qualia. I think maybe I'd been at Qualia for less than six months or so when uh, when the book came out. So that was just a calling card kind of strategy, like get yeah, my yeah. philosophy, sales philosophy onto paper, um, you know, and, and I wasn't trying to sell a million copies of the book or get rich. It's just like, if anybody wants to know how I think about sales, if they ever think about coming to work for me or... Um, yeah. you know, hiring me maybe, uh, or hiring me as a, as a consultant, like this will be a good thing for me to, to yeah. be able to reference, you know, to point, point them towards. Um, and so again, you know, all part of the like different channels, different streams of revenue, but they all are kind yeah. of connected yeah. in some kind yeah. of way. Um, and so I'm always encouraging people to think about, you know, that keep those threads between all the different businesses, um, you know, connected if you can. So, yeah. 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 Right on. Interesting. Well, all right, Alex, we got to get out of here. We appreciate you spending some time with us today. Good luck with everything in sunny slash rainy San Diego. And we will, uh, <laughs> we'll see you soon. I hope. Yeah. Thanks guys for having me. Yeah. You're, you're coming in May now that the babies are here. Right. You yeah, he's lost his excuse. The excuse factory is closed. Uh, the excuse is closed. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing my wife is home on spring break, so hopefully she doesn't hear me uh, say that too loudly. <laughs> oh, believe me, she'll give you another excuse. I am not worried about that. <laughs> All right, Alex. It was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks.